Hey, this is Davey from Papa John's in Chattanooga. Welcome back to Press Row. Answer today's Papa John's poll question on Facebook and Twitter at ESPN 1051 The Zone and online at ESPNChattanooga.com. Welcome back into Press Row here on ESPN 1051 The Zone. David Pascal, Jay Greason, Wells Guthrie producing the show. Hoping everybody out there is having a safe and terrific Thursday afternoon. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome back into Press Row Tom Luganbill, the ESPN college football analyst. He knows his recruiting. Tom, how are you today? Doing good, man. How are you? Doing fine, thanks. All right, Nick Saban in December, you probably heard this, saw it live or read it, uh, when he was addressing the early signing period, Nick Saban said this has become the signing day, just like we all predicted. It's not the early signing day. It's the signing day. When we had you on last year, I know you do a great job of numbers crunching, and you said 72% of the kids signed in the early psych- early signing period last recruiting cycle. Is it even more profound this year? Yeah, it is, actually. The numbers that we had crunched, it inched up to about 76%. So roughly 2,800 or so players in any given class will sign. So over 2,000 players this time around have, have signed uh, with the early signing period. And I would, I would agree with coaches. This is, this is now the residual signing period. This is where you clean things up and, you know, your board gets streamlined and you're worried about a handful of kids at most when you're talking about top 25 and to maybe top 40 teams, I think what you're, you're going to really start seeing with this second period, which is next Wednesday, is this is where you're going to see a lot of the bottom tier power five teams and the majority of the group of five programs. This is really going to be their signing day. This is where they're probably going to make the most hay. Along those lines, then, uh, you know, because the SEC, there's so many SEC schools at the top when you consider Bama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M all having great early signing periods. I know that Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle from West Virginia, Tennessee's got a good shot at him. The sure. Elam corner down in – I know he's a Georgia-Florida kind of deal. Who who do you think can kind of make the most noise in the SEC on uh, what we now can, I guess, call the residual signing day? Yeah, you know, I think Tennessee's got a tremendous opportunity just because there's some high-profile guys left, and there aren't many of them, but they've got Tennessee as a finalist. I don't think there's any question that there's an opportunity for January to really be a big month for the Vols. I would also argue that the Auburn Tigers are, are probably sitting there with a few guys to gain the bulk of their rosters back. So Auburn's not going to have a full complement of what we perceive to be a normal class between, you know, 23 and 25 guys, but there's still room for some additions uh, for Auburn. So I think those are the two schools that you would look to the most. Maybe a third would be LSU just because defensive tackle Ishmael Sosper is still out there. He's an in-state kid. Many people believe that, that he is an LSU lock, so it's just a matter of time on that one. But for the majority of the program, when you look at Arkansas sitting at 27 right now, Alabama at 28, Ole Miss at 28, A&M at 25, Georgia at 23, there's not a lot of room in the SEC for, for many kids to jump on board. 
Tom, when you look at – we talk about it on the show all the time, the first full recruiting cycle for a lot of coaches in the SEC. It's got an unbelievable track record. I mean, you can go back to mm-hmm. Urban Meyer at Florida with Tebow, Harvin, and Spikes, and, of course, the Saban class in 08 that had Julio and Darius and Ingram. Sure. Uh, even even Kirby, his first full cycle, that's the class with, like, Fromm and Swift and those two tackles, uh, Thomas and Wilson. This is Jeremy Pruitt's first full recruiting cycle how would you assess that it's gone they've gotten bigger they've gotten faster and they've gotten stronger and i think the the one tenth full of this class is offensive tackle wanya morris and the reason why i say that is he had come on board to tennessee so early in the process and he never wavered and i i think that sends a bit of a message that resonates because when Tennessee's having to go out of state and they're going to have to go into a state that's so heavily populated with great players like the state of Georgia, and they're able to get an early verbal commitment, it's like having a 500-pound Marlin on the line, but he's 500 yards away. And it is tough to reel him in. And so I would call this a very successful full calendar year. And let's not forget, and, you know, when a coach gets hired, man, it is a mad scramble. I mean, you have so many balls in the air that you're juggling it's impossible to accomplish any task the way that you want to. But when you get to get the staff settled, you get to lay out your blueprint over the course of time, and you're just not up against the wall, you really have the opportunity to sit down, get to know kids, research kids, sell your plan, execute your blueprint with your coaching staff. And that's why we see every time a new coach comes into play, that next calendar year seems to be a big splash year. You're listening to Tom Luganville, the ESPN college football analyst. He does a great job covering college football recruiting. You're listening to Tom Luganville here on Press Row on ESPN 105, Won the Zone. Tom, you have uh, spread your wings and become just an, not only a recruiting guy, but just a college football expert for uh, the mothership up in Bristol. I'm curious, uh, what's more fun for you, the recruiting or the sideline reporting? So, you know, that's a really good question, and I get asked that question a lot. And um, I think it's probably a blend of both because for the year-round calendar, I'm involved in recruiting in some way, shape, or form. But when it's basically February to August, I'm almost entirely player evaluation and recruiting with spot duty in college football here and there. And then when you just get drained and you've had enough and you're just ready for a change of pace, Boom, along comes the college football season. And so you get to shift gears, recharge the batteries a little bit. So the cycle that I'm on, it's like right when you get to where you've about had it, something new comes along, and then you get back on that schedule. So the one thing for me in the college football world is I was very fortunate when ESPN came to me. Let's see, I'll be going on my seventh season on the sideline. So over six years ago, they came to me and said, hey, we want to try out this new thing. We're going to call it a field analyst. And we want to take your expertise, put it on the field, and have it be like a three-man booth. And, you know, it took a while to cultivate it, and it's unique to our crew. And our company's now doing it with some other people like Cole Kubulik and Todd McShay and, and some others that we're trying it with. But we think it's, it's the best way to broadcast the game. And so it makes my job a lot of fun because I can give insights and analysis from a perspective that Dave Pash and Greg McElroy can't give from the booth and then we had that back and forth and the open mic conversation where if you were watching the game, you might not know I was on the field. And that's the goal of the whole thing. 
Now, I mean, you, you, you don't get offended when people say, well, there's Tom Luganbill, another piece of eye candy on the sideline. Well, I got to be honest with you. I mean, it, it it is tough probably being the number one rated eye candy on the sideline <laughs> of, 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 uh, of all the uh, gorgeous human beings that we have working for us. And you know what? It's my cross to bear, guys. It is. I just I mean, got to hey, deal with it. Well done. Well done. You know, life's tough. All life's right. Tough. To go to, and, and we're a couple, three days away from recruiting and the traditional recruiting day, I love the residual recruiting phrase. Um I, I'm curious on your view. I saw a stat from footballscoop.com earlier this year that half the coaches in America have been hired since November of 2016 on the on the FBS level. I mean, there there cannot be a more important task than either A, beating your rival, or B, winning on whatever signing day you're going to win on. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so, because essentially recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. Uh, we can talk all we want about philosophy and the process and, and all the different things that coaches are tasked with doing. That's very, very important. But there's not a coach in America that has any eligibility left. you got to have players. And the teams with the best players are the teams that are going to win consistently and they're going to com- compete for conference championships. They're going to have an opportunity potentially – to compete for a slot in the college football playoffs. So how you evaluate the decisions that you make, which are often very, very difficult, keep in mind, these guys are evaluating 15 and 16 and 17-year-olds, and they're, they're, they're having to sign between 20 and 25 of them in a given year. If you hit on 60% or slightly above that in a given class, you're looking at missing at 10 guys. So that's a pretty big number. So the, the, the key is, Avoiding missing, and which which guys do you miss on? Are they defensive and offensive linemen, which are the most important positions in all of football? Are they quarterbacks, which would, would be an absolute killer? You know, I, I think that the, the decisions that are made and being as, as correct as you can in your assessments is the only opportunity that you have to really sustain long-term winning consistency. You're listening to Tom Luganbill, the ESPN college football analyst, does a great job coverage covering college football recruiting. You're listening to Tom here on Press Row on ESPN 105, Won the Zone. Tom, you touched on Auburn for a second a few minutes ago. You know, we're living in kind of an Alabama and Georgia recruiting world when you look at the last two or three years in these team rankings. Given the chaos and the storylines, you know, that Malzahn had to deal with and, and some comings and goings on that staff, I saw where if some pieces fall on Wednesday, they could have as many as six top 100 guys. How, how wild is that given what they've kind of had to live through these past few months? Well, I tell you, I think one thing that helped with that, uh, fellas, is, is how they ended the season and went into the month of January. Just dismantling uh, Purdue, looking the part. Obviously, the bulk of their roster is returning. Now, they've got a difficult schedule next year, but they should be a pretty good football team. So there's a lot of attractiveness to them right now, and they have such a good reputation and are perceived so well in the state of Georgia that when, let's just say they miss on a kid, in the state of Alabama, which is going to happen. That's just the nature of it. They have the opportunity to dip into Georgia, dip into Florida, dip into Mississippi, and supplement their recruiting class with an equal caliber player. And so I think Auburn kind of likes it that way. Let let all the attention be placed on Alabama. Let all the attention be placed on Clemson and 
and Georgia and, you know, Florida and, and uh, really right now Tennessee's getting a lot of attention. And Auburn will just kind of go about their business and let the chips fall where they may. You're a Georgia Tech guy. Your reaction to Jeff Collins and 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 talk and speaking of recruiting, I mean he's he's made it clear he'll he'll go to Europe to find somebody. Uh, let me tell you something. It's funny you bring them up. I was down in Atlanta yesterday doing some things for our 150 years of college football that we're doing at ESPN, and and I stopped by and visited with Jeff yesterday and just kind of talked the state of the program. I, I think one of the things that he's excited about is. They have made an institutional commitment there to really change the way they go about doing things. And what I mean by that is expanding support staff, expanding and enhancing their their current situation that relates to a football operations facility, um, understanding what their academic standards are, how difficult they are, and finding ways to work within that structure. I just... Their athletic director there, Todd Stansberry, is really good. In fact, he was my academic advisor when I was playing there. So he understands the difficulties and the ins and outs, and he's a football guy. So, I, listen, Jeff Collins hired really good people. You look at Brent Key, who's a tech guy, has been in Alabama for the last few years in the offensive line. They're really revamping their staff internally when it comes to player evaluation and recruiting. And, listen, you're in Atlanta you got a lot to offer, and they've got access to great players with a 150- to 200-mile radius in any direction. So it's going to be interesting to see, for my money, how do offensive linemen now look at them? Because it's hard to recruit offensive linemen when you're in the triple option. How are quarterbacks now going to respond to you? Because you're no longer in the triple option. I think those are all positives for Jeff Collins and the staff going forward. Now, Tom, when we had you at the very top, you said that 72% last year, 76% in this cycle. Do you, do you see a potential of 80% in next year's recruiting cycle, or do you think we'll kind of level off around 75 76%? You know, that is a great question because with all of the turmoil that we have had in the month of January alone as it pertains to assistant coach movement, I'm going to be very curious to see if that gives prospects if it puts prospects in a position to say, you know what, I'm a little bit concerned about what could potentially happen after the month of December and what impact could that have on me? Because we had far more disruption in that area this year than we had in the first go around. So the answer to that question, I think, remains to be seen. I don't think we'll get up in the 80 range immediately. I think eventually that we could get there. I don't think it'll jump that far from year two to year three. Tom, great stuff, but when we have guests like you, we love to close with a rapid fire, first thing off the top of the head. Ready to play? All right, ready to play. Let's hit it. All right, what school that is not a top 15, 20 type of program year in and year out in college football, what school are we not talking about enough that's had a pretty doggone good recruiting cycle? Arizona State. What head coach do you dread interviewing at halftime the most? Mark D'Antonio. If you had to pick a favorite prospect, one that you're just like, not to put too much pressure on the guy, but a guy that you're like, okay, this guy's going to be in the NFL and is going to do well. Kayvon Thibodeau. The varsity or J.R. Crickets? Varsity. Okay. (laughs) Tom, listen, great, great stuff. Thanks for all that you do. We always enjoy having you on here. There's there's always a need for a football fix here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and you just provided one. So thank you for that very much. 
You bet, guys. Take care. Have a great week. All righty. Tom Luganville, the ESPN college football analyst. He knows his college football recruiting. 648-1051 is the number. Back with more. You're listening to Press Row here on ESPN 105.1 The Zone. <laughs> 